Hey, y'all. This week on the podcast, we'll be talking with Mississippi Department of Wildlife Nuisance Species Program Biologist Anthony Ballard about wild hogs, one of the most prolific nuisance animals in America's history. It's astounding how much damage they actually cause and how much of an ongoing problem they continue to be. It's truly mind-boggling. Lastly, I hope you're liking this podcast. If you are, do us a big favor. Head on over to the iTunes page, give us a rating, write us a review. Enjoy the show. Um, so first off, uh, always do an introduction. Um, Anthony Ballard with the Mississippi Department of Wildlife and Fisheries and Parks. Man, thank you. I know you're a busy guy. So uh, thank you for your time and taking the, the time out of your day to come and talk with us for a little bit. No problem, man. Glad to do it. Yeah. So um, the variety of different things I want to talk to you about today, but before we dive into it, um, kind of just give everyone kind of a brief overview of, of, you know, maybe some of your background and how, you, you know, what you do for, for MWDFP. Did I say that right? Yeah. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm the nuisance species program biologist. Okay. Um, I've been called a nuisance biologist before. I'm not sure what that means. but uh, <laughs> So I went to Mississippi State and got my degree there, my undergrad right. in wildlife fisheries um, science, and then uh, went to University of Louisiana at Monroe, got my master's, uh, did a hog project, uh, research project in the south um, marshes of Louisiana, okay. and then uh, worked for Louisiana for a short amount of time during the summers, and then came back home. And uh, the position that I'm in now is actually uh, an offshoot of um, the the alligator and fur bear program, right. which the, uh, the, the hog stuff was getting to be such a burden that it was really more than one person could handle. Right. And so uh, back in 2015, when I graduated, uh, they were starting to kind of put this position together and advertise it uh, because it was becoming such a big issue in Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, I'd had the experience from, from that research project and other experience that I'd had along the way to kind of fill that. And so it was, uh, it all worked out uh, really well and, and how I was able to, to come into this job. Right. Yeah. What, what did you do in the, the research project in Louisiana? What that consist of? So the research project in Louisiana, uh, we flew uh, helicopter transects in uh, most of your graduate project or two years, uh, two years of, of field work. And so uh, we flew transects down there and actually looked at wild hog damage uh, in a, about a 500,000 acre block. Right. And uh, mostly um, land owned by gas companies and that kind of thing, mostly yeah. all private land. Yeah. And uh, just southwest of Homa and uh, looked at uh, how that damage uh, was extrapolated, how much damage was in that particular area, and then uh, did some other work with that, compared it to satellite imagery and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, it was a really good project and uh, I learned a lot yeah. along the way. So. Well, that's a really good segue, I guess, of what we're going to talk about, you know, because I mainly, you know, ask you to come on here to talk about hogs because, I mean, you know better than anybody that's like such a hot topic these days right especially here um and so i kind of want to go at it like from top to bottom i know you know um wild hogs some people call them feral pigs i don't know what if that's any right or wrong terminology to either uh but i'm pretty sure everyone knows it's probably safe to assume most everyone knows they're not native but uh, there, I think there's a few discrepancies on how they actually ended up here that right. maybe you could you kind of enlighten enlighten everybody on. Sure. So historically, um, the, the humans back then it was the Europeans that actually took the wild living form of the Eurasian wild boar, Suscrofa, mm -hmm. uh, in the the eastern part of Europe, 
and domesticated that line down to the the domestic pigs that we're familiar with now. Right. Uh, so I like to equate it to the the wolf versus the the domestic dog that we know. So they they bred them down. We have different breeds. Uh, obviously, bred them to be uh, more desirable. Um, characteristics such as uh, putting on weight faster than their wild living variants, uh, having more babies, mm-hmm. the, the sorts of things that are good for, for production because right. that's what they were primarily used for was for food. Right. And so uh, in doing that, um, most of Europe um, was uh, – it was it was very common to have domestic pigs that were raised for food and that sort of thing. So back during the early 1500s when all the uh, exploration was happening in the New World, the, the, all the Americas, mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty common practice for the, the Spanish, the French, the Portuguese, basically anybody that was coming over to explore the, the quote-unquote New World uh, would bring hogs because they weren't as big as cattle. Uh, they reproduced very uh, rapidly. Mm. They had a lot of babies. They put on weight very fast. They tasted great. Uh, they were a very hardy animal, so it was a natural, cho- a natural choice to go to a place that, okay, we don't know how we're going to get food. We don't know what's over there waiting for us. We're moving around a lot. And so that was a natural choice to bring over to have a constant, reliable food source in a place where you're not sure you're going to have it. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Um, So 1539 was the first introduction onto the North American continent of a um, of any of the Suscrofa variety uh, of the the family Suidae. Um, And that was by Hernando de Soto from Spain. But Mm -hmm. like I said, he... He gets sort of the blame now for being the first to bring it over. But like I said, it was pretty common practice in right. those days. And so, like I said, there's a lot of moving around that that uh, period of time. People are getting up. They're constantly expanding, exploring new areas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you may have gotten there with four pigs, but then by the time it's time to move, you may have 15 or 20. Gotcha. And so a lot of times what would happen is, you know, you can't pack all those pigs up and take them with you. So a lot of times they would get abandoned uh, wherever they were, and that's how a lot of the uh, population became established because they would be free ranged, uh, or they would just, you know, be be let out and abandoned and just turn loose. Right, and and they would revert back to their wild living sort of uh, characteristics because after all, that's where they had come from to begin with. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, like, so how did we get to that to it being as prolific as it is now? Well, so you, first of all, we look at climate because in the southeast, um, you know, hogs don't do extremely well with cold weather, uh, particularly the ones uh, that are closer to the domestic line. And so uh, and the southeastern United States is really where a lot of the expansion first started, where a mm-hmm. lot of the European settlers first came. And so uh, this part of the world got a lot more introduction of wild pigs to begin with because that's where they were all being dropped off and that, gotcha. and that sort of thing. Um so throughout time, uh, like I said before, we know that wild hogs are very prolific uh, animals as, as reproduction goes, and uh, they're, they're good at being on their own and surviving on their own. Uh, in the meantime, humans were doing more and more expansion, urbanization, and there became basically over time uh, more pigs and less habitat and eventually got to the point where we are now where there's uh, a lot of pigs everywhere and, and um, less and less habitat for them to be in. So. Yeah, makes sense. Like, cause it, it, it's, it's interesting to me, uh, I guess, like how, I don't know, and it may just be because I was blind to it, but it just seems like in recent years it's just become more of an issue. Mm-hmm. And you might could speak to that whether it is or not. 
probably the biggest um, contributing factor to that is, uh, number one, the commercialization uh, and I guess you could say glorification of recreational hunting of wild pigs. Yeah. So, um, you know, y- y'all would know as, as well as anybody that, you know, game species, we want that, that, st- that species to be managed. We want it to be prolific. We want those animals, uh, deer, turkey, et cetera, to, to be around for the next generation. We want the population to be healthy. A lot of people mistakenly view wild hogs in that same sort of light. The problem is, uh, like we talked about just a minute ago, they're not a, a native species. Right. They're, they're invasive. Uh, they were never supposed to be here. And what that means is the, the habitat and the ecosystems that have, have thrived here for thousands of years have not had wild pigs as a part of that and right so when you introduce a, a native uh, excuse me a non-native species then you create all kinds of problems and so um but anyway going back to my point uh we we don't um we don't encourage the recreational hunting of wild hogs because they're not game species right and unfortunately the spread of wild hogs has been uh accelerated and exacerbated by people actually moving them around illegally yeah uh inside the state or, or outside the state uh, yeah. whatever the case is yeah it, it's it blows my mind i mean i can see i can kind of understand like i guess you know because like being from down here i mean it's like it's a wild hog you know i'm like i'm not blown away by it but it's all like i, I have friends in uh down in florida they talk about people from up north that just come down there in droves because they want to hunt a wild pig and yep. i just don't i don't see the appeal i'm like man i don't i don't like those things i mean right, i understand right, right. i understand killing them for the reasons that i would kill them for but not for like you know they're they're looking at them as a game animal like exactly. you were like you were talking about and, and unfortunately people uh, you know when there's a dollar to be made people capitalize on that right so there's there's guide services and that sort of thing that or even just individuals that have them on their property that will charge somebody like that, you know, maybe from the from the northeast or whatever the case is, uh, that that haven't ever hunted that animal, that want to hunt that animal, that that views it as as that grandiose type idea to come right. down and kill, and uh, and unfortunately that's the reason why there's so much illegal transportation is because there's a lot of money to be made. Out of. Yeah, how much do you think, if any, that like the the recreational hunting and the glorification of those animals how much do you think that's added to the problem like pretty significantly or i would say pretty significantly yeah yeah because you know like i said there's the the commercialization of it and um and you know just the money to be made that i mean yeah, yeah. Short, short answer is yes it's, that's a shame it really is it's probably the illegal transportation of hogs uh by people is far and away the, the biggest management issue as far as getting them under control yeah is that still like does that go on pretty regularly like is that, is that something y'all have to deal with constantly still all the time really yep that's see that 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 boggles me it does like obviously because you work i mean that's what you do but like i like i don't understand how like a sensible person you couldn't get that point across to them like right. do you know what those things which again that that it kind of gets me to my next point uh I don't think that I don't think a lot of people understand to the degree how much damage they can cause. Right. And I know you know firsthand from dealing with it how how much damage they could cause. So, like, let's kind of go into that a little bit, like how destructive they are mm-hmm. to properties. So the the agricultural type 
um, damage is what we sort of associate with it. It's an easy thing to assign dollars and, and cents to because you have a, a farmer, a producer that, that knows what he planted. He knows what's taken out of that. Right. Um, a lot of things we don't think about is the ecological effects, um, the microbial effects in the soil, the effects in the marsh. Uh, I mean, these animals eat. They're, they're classified as opportunistic omnivores, which means right. they will literally eat anything that gets under their nose. And so... Uh, 60 to 70 million dollars is the the estimate from uh, a last study that MSU Extension did just in the state of Mississippi, uh, as far as agriculture goes. 60 to 70 million dollars. Right. Holy smokes. Uh, but like I said, that's that's just the the agricultural side of it. That's yeah. the stuff that's pretty easy to count and go out and get a figure. Um, right. But things Gracious. like uh, you know alligator eggs in the marsh, uh, sea turtle eggs on the beach. Uh, uh, species composition changes um, in in, in nat- natural ecosystems, all of those things that are much harder to assign a number to uh, and a, a dollar and cents figure to that make just as much impact, they just don't quite come across the same on, on paper. Right. Yeah, you can't put a dollar figure on them that easy. Exactly. So 60, 70 million is basically a conservative estimate. Like it's not really... And I think I think the latest USDA figure uh, nationwide is is something like two billion. Two billion dollars. Yeah. Oh. And there's still people live hauling those things around. Yep. And <clears throat> and to go back to that, uh, to to kind of give put it in perspective, I was I was at a conference not too long ago, and I was talking to a, one of the biologists there. I, I believe it was Minnesota. And we were talking back and forth. And, of course, it's fun to be at those type conferences and exchange information and thoughts right. from, from different state agencies right. and, that are dealing with the same problem. Uh, they don't have many populations, but the, the first few populations that they've had pop up there in the state. Um, the, recently in, in years, there have been some genetic works where people can actually pinpoint what populations came from where <laughs> geographically uh, by using DNA uh sequencing and so they had done that in the state to see where these populations had come from and it was states like georgia louisiana mississippi alabama that had shown up in minnesota um and just to put that in perspective of of how prolific that problem is how much money is being made unfortunately illegally that somebody's willing to load up pigs in a trailer in louisiana or in georgia uh, mississippi and cart them all the way across the united states and drop them back off that's bananas yep there's other words I would use for that, but <laughs> golly, the things the things that a man will do for a dollar. Yep. With no like I and honestly, I'm sure you don't either. Like I can't, I don't have, I can't have any, I can't get on the same level of thinking they're at. That's like a quick dollar with like no concept or no worry of what the consequences are in terms of the land, right, or anything. Primo's Takeout System, feed, seed, and mineral, making it simple and easy for you to grow good food plots and develop a year-round strategy to boost health and growth for the deer in your area. Go to primos.com now to receive 20% off all takeout products through August 7th, so just a few more days left, and we're still offering free shipping on the entire website for orders of $75 and more. Check it out. Golly. That's frustrating. I'm t- well, I'm sure I'm, pre- I'm preaching the choir talking to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Like yep. it, I mean, some of this, and if I ask like a, a question that you can't answer, is like, like, like how often, like you say like all the time, like how often do, are you catching people live hauling? Is that like a weekly thing, like a day? Or 
Well, the I, I couldn't really give you a frequency of it. Um, I can just tell you that it does happen often. And like yeah. I said, this is it may be something as large as a, a big group of pigs that are that are uh, you know in some type of cattle hauler or something like that, or it may be a couple of pigs stuffed in toolboxes. It's just you know people will figure out any way to haul them and and to to release them and the thing that makes it so hard to enforce is you know if they're not visible from outside the vehicle you have to have a reason to you you have to have some type of probable cause to check that person right and then when they get to where they're going it takes that long to release the pigs yeah no time at all you just open the door and they leave so it's it's a really hard thing to enforce uh, from that perspective, and and I'm not enforcement, so I can't speak to you know the methods and and how all that's right, done. Right. Right. Um, but I, I can tell you that it's far and away the, the one of the biggest problems we have. That's disheartening. If you're listening to this and you haul live pigs, stop. Please stop. Stop doing it. Golly, that's mm. so. Let's like uh, I know, and I, I've spoken to this before, like spoken about this before. I have a I have a uh, cousins. That have a farm in Holcomb, they deal with pigs all the time. Tear their crops up. Mm-hmm. I promise you, they're not hauling any live pigs. They hate them. They uh, right. they trap them because they dang near have to. You yeah. know. And a lot of the people that that own property and and have crops and try to do things on their property understand, you know, that realm of okay, this is a horrible thing. Yeah. Need less of these pigs and and all that, but right. Uh, unfortunately the people that are, that are profiting off of it are usually not the ones that are having to come at the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever run into like, other than, I mean, it's blatant the people that are hauling it, but do you, do you ever run into people that are like kind of not concerned about them? They're like, I just don't see what the big deal is. You know, they don't really see the problem for what it really is. Do you deal with that ever? Uh, yeah. And, and honestly, that's what, uh, and I, I didn't mention this to start off, but part of my job is public education. Right. And so we've had a, uh, a recent push, uh, as far as distributing public education materials called Operation Hall here in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So you may have seen, uh, target places like co-ops, uh, hunting stores, uh, any locations like that where there's, there's liable to be some agriculture yeah. and hunting and outdoor type clientele that come into that area yeah. to say, Hey, you know, just a cliff notes version. Here's why pigs are bad. Here's why we don't want them. Uh, here's the problems that they cause. If you see anybody moving around, please call this number. And, um, so public education, that's one of the biggest battles in the hog in, in the wild hog program that we face is, yeah. Uh, actually getting good sound scientifically based information out to say look here's the truth here's the reason why you know we say these things and uh and and change those people from from apathetic to actually caring about right. it because you know i can tell you that they affect crops and if you don't have crops you don't care yeah you're like oh yeah what i care um, yeah right but if i say they can spread to possibly you if you ingest the meat and you eat hogs well now you care right and so it's it's trying to press enough of those buttons where it hit home it hits home to people and actually right. they understand oh well this is a, a much bigger issue than some farmer in the delta getting his corn eaten right i think I, and and obviously this isn't like very you couldn't replicate this this experience that often but like i i I remember the first time i saw hog damage firsthand and i it wasn't even i wouldn't even grade myself as apathetic but i just didn't give it the credit it was due like the first time i actually saw hog damage with my own eyes i was like oh my gosh i just had no clue that they could be that destructive 
Um, is there any like online resources? I'm sure there is. Sure. Uh, so we have our, our website is mdwfp.com. That's Mississippi Wildlife Fisheries Parks.com. Uh, we have a web page. It's uh, wildlife and hunting, and then you get down to the wild hog program that has uh, the regulations here in Mississippi mm-hmm. as it pertains to wild hogs. It has uh, a lot of information, some of which we covered here, kind of the right. a Cliff Notes version of, of all of it, uh, life history, habitat, preferences, um, history, that sort of thing. Uh, MSU Extension also has a really yeah. good website. It's called Wild Pig Info. I think it's .com. Um, yeah. And uh, those are probably the two best. There's a few PDFs, uh, Landowner's Guide to Wild wild hog or wild pig management yeah um but anyway there there are some, yeah. several very good websites uh, those two i'd recommend what we can do like when we post this episode um we i can get some of those links from you sure and we'll do like you know like the instagram swipe up things where people can swipe up and take you straight to them because like here's my deal especially on stuff like that information is so easily accessible these days yep. that especially there's no excuse anymore for there's no excuse for hauling a live pig and there's no excuse for not understanding how bad these things are and how much of a problem it actually is. Um, so as far as like control of the species, is there like, like I said, I know hunting them is a, is a thing kind of, but like, is there like, is, uh, trapping? I know that's kind of, I don't know if popular is the right term or the more preferred method is like, what have you seen to be, if anything, that's actually kind of effective towards controlling with dogs? So the, the few things that we've seen, uh, I guess not the few things, but the, the, the most effective uh, situation, I guess, that you can put yourself in is, number one, uh, whatever method it is you choose to use, uh, don't wait until you have a big problem. Wait until, you, uh, you know, the, the first time that you see hogs on your property, the first time that you hear of hogs on your property, if it's two, do something right then. That's the time to do it. Uh, because, you know, wild hogs can have an average of, of five to six piglets per year. Uh, excuse me, per litter, and they can breed twice a year. They can have as many as 14 or 15 offspring per litter. And so that's a potential if they all make it and they, they're, they're maxed out with the reproduction of one sow introducing 30 new piglets to the population in one year. So if you think about that in perspective of how quickly that problem can get out of hand, and I, I hear it all the time, you know, on a, on a property, on a hunting camp or whatever it was, yeah, we saw a few pigs the first year, and then the, the next year we saw a lot more, and then, you know, this past year we killed more pigs than deer, and then the next year it'll be, we, we, we don't see any deer anymore, we don't see any turkey anymore, all we see is pigs. Mm. Uh, and the problem is that that problem started like this with, with one game camera picture of a boar running by, right. and then the next year, the next two years, you have this giant problem that takes thousands of dollars and hours to, to solve. Um Trapping is the best option for yeah. sure because uh, what it does is uh, people think you set it like a mouse trap. You just put it in there and set the gate. Uh, what you actually do is you, you're training those pigs to trust your trap uh, to where that entire sound or that social group all comes in at one time and you trap them out. And yeah. there's not an, there's not another method right now that you can do that with. And so, uh, you know, shooting at night or hunting, shooting them off the deer stand or whatever – you're really not actually doing anything. Right. You're moving them off your property, most likely for a short amount of time, and they're going to come back. You're not actually, you know, solving the problem. You're yeah. just You're basically blowing the leaves off of your driveway onto somebody else's. Right. And uh, and you're not actually solving the problem there. So, um, you know, like I said, trapping, uh, but it, trapping done right is is the best way to to reduce the population right now. Is there anything like general 
just like anything you could uh, speak to as far as like trapping done right, you know, as far as what people could do? Generally, bigger is better uh, because so you're dealing with an incredibly intelligent animal, wild yeah. hogs. Which is, I want to ask you about that too, because that seems that's always like a common misconception. I don't know why people just assume pigs are stupid, and yeah. they're, they're not. It's it's with the stuff that I've seen, they're up there with like dolphins and, and that kind of stuff. They're yeah, extremely intelligent. Right. Um, but the good thing is, it also makes them very trainable. And so if you can if you can train those animals, so you start out with your trap, uh, like I said, because you want to you want to make that trap seem as little like a trap as possible. You want to have as much open space. Uh, if you can have doors on either side where they can see all the way through, that's a good thing. Mm. Basically, your entire intention is to be uh, is to make that trap feel as comfortable as possible for a pig, uh, preferably an older pig that knows better that the ones that's breeding and contributing to that population to go into that trap to trust it. Uh, because what you're going to happen, uh, what's going to happen is when you first have a sounder that walks up, the the smaller uh, juvenile hogs are going to be the first ones to go in right they're going to go in and eat the corn they're going to go oh, this is great and all the all the older sows the ones that, that you actually want to catch are going to stay outside they're going to watch those little ones eat and after a while it may be a week it may be a month eventually those hogs are going to get tired of watching those little ones walk in and eat night after night so what you're going to do is you're going to actually train those hogs to trust that trap they get nothing but positive reinforcement out of it that's when you set it to catch. And so it's important to have a game camera to make sure that you're monitoring all that, right. to make sure that all those pigs are coming in like they're supposed to, so you'll know when to set your trap so that when that gate falls, you've got it all in one sweep. You don't have to worry about cleaning up pigs that were left outside yeah. or anything like that. You, you've got that whole sounder. They're removed, and you can start on the next. Right. Interesting. Yeah, those things are incredibly inept. Uh, like how like and they've got those there's some of those trapping systems now like they've got like the live monitoring system you can drop the gate from your phone yep you know i think it was a was a jaeger pro i think it was called or there yeah there are several companies out there that have them now uh that either send pictures you know shortly uh after they've been taken or even you know uh, up to the second live stream video yeah um we have several in, in our department um they're they're great if you can spend the money on them you know, yeah. they're, they're extremely effective. Uh, it brings a level of control that you just can't get with a manual trap because right. you can literally see everything. You can check and see how much bait you have. You can check and see when your pigs are coming in. I mean, literally everything about that situation you're controlling. You're yeah. not going to accidentally catch anything. And, and you know, on, on some of these systems, you're talking about a, a delay time, a trigger time, of basically nothing. Right. And so uh, it's it's all, you know, you can, you can kind of plan it around your schedule. And it's all, you know, right there in front of you. Yeah. I can, um, like I said, my, my cousins, I'm not sure exactly what kind of traps they have, but like I said, they do that because they have to. If they don't, they would destroy all their crops. And, you know, obviously that's their livelihood, you know. Right. It's terrible. Um, what about, like, because here, t- talking on things that make it, you know, make someone pay attention that was previously apathetic, uh, what about, like, threats to humans as far as, like, all the diseases hogs carry? So the two main subsets of, of people that are the most at risk are, number one, slaughterhouse workers, uh, and number two, people that hunt and consume wild hogs, as, as you might imagine. Right. Uh, so freezing the meat, you know, a lot of people, when they, they butcher the hog, they may take proper precautions, and then they bring the meat back out of the freezer, and they handle it as if they would any other meat in their household. And right. the, the fact of the matter is a lot of those diseases that can be transmitted to humans – uh, are not killed by freezing. And so, uh, you know, that's that's still a dangerous thing. Uh, brucellosis is probably one of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that and that can get in any open cut that you may have on your hands that you don't even know about yeah uh you can also get it from ingesting meat that hasn't been cooked thoroughly so less than 165 degrees fahrenheit is pasteurization for pork um and so there are a lot of pathways that could possibly um that you could get it and one of the things that makes um, brucellosis particularly bad is it's chronic. So once you get it, you can treat the symptoms, but you never actually get rid of it. Mm. And so it's a it's a pretty high price to pay for for not taking precautions. So, you know, what I tell people at the very minimum, please wear rubber gloves because yeah. I promise you, you have little nicks and cuts on your hands that you don't know about. Uh, cover any sort of you know mucosal membranes you have, eyes, nose, mouth. Uh, don't eat or drink while you're while you're slaughtering or you know processing your pig butchering anything like that if you choose to eat it uh those type things you know even tobacco products and gum people don't really those type things you don't even think about uh if you're not taking those proper proper precautions you're just playing russian roulette right yeah so like you being as educated and spend as much time around them as you do do you still consume wild hog yourself or you just go it's not worth it well it's just kind of a public uh, excuse me just kind of a personal preference to me that i don't yeah, uh, it's kind of like walking through a, a chicken house and you know choosing not to eat chickens. It's just kind of right. You know, it's it's kind of a psychological thing. I always joke and say I know too much about them to eat them. Right. Um. And like I said, I don't I don't necessarily you know object to anybody else eating them, and I know a lot of people do, and I have before, but it's just one of those things I choose not to personally. Um. And I really don't go out and hunt them, and and all the ones that I do dispatch and and uh, dispose of are for the agency. So I really don't have a lot of independent recreational time where I have right. an opportunity for a lot of hogs anyway, yeah. believe it or not. <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to. I'm right. just <laughs> yeah. Cause I've always thought about that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've eaten it before, but then, um, I can remember we, we did, uh, learn you know, we had someone come and talk about them when I was at Mississippi state. Right. And I can remember it sometime thinking, I was like, there's like so many other, types of wild game that i could go after and try to eat then try to deal with this one you know right. or then try to deal with trying to eat that one you know i just just sure. seem like the negatives kind of stacked up as far as like if i don't do such and such right but you know i like it's same kind of boat i'm not like discouraging anyone from eating them that's just you know my right. personal and preference there are people that have eaten thousands and thousands of pigs and you know like i said it just takes that one but as long as you're using proper precautions you can you're, eat yeah. hundreds of you know infected pigs and if right. you're using those proper precautions and cooking your meat thoroughly then you know you you would be okay too so yeah uh, but you know there are just the disease risk in hogs is so much more than it is with something like deer or turkey or you know a lot of our other native game species that it to me it's just not worth the risk and uh you know like i said just personal preference yeah well i can i mean i've seen like firsthand you know buddies like kill a pig and they just kind of like bare hand go grab him by the legs and start hauling and i'm just like mm, don't do that you know because just from that one little study we did at mississippi state where i learned i said like, don't don't touch that thing yep. you know <laughs> it's just too much that could go wrong that's right i remember seeing pictures from pretty sure it was brucellosis picture somebody's like hands where they got it it just looked awful yeah it brucellosis one of the things or one of the main symptoms uh besides flu-like symptoms which is like every disease right but right um uh, extreme joint pain and yeah. so you have a lot of swelling and joint pain it's it's almost like a, a really bad case of arthritis but it's in most or all your joints so it's yeah uh, it's a pretty bad deal it's yeah good does that is there any like record or, or knowing like how often uh 
hog transmitted type diseases occur? Is it like in Mississippi, is that something that happens a lot or, or not really? Uh, you could look up brucellosis cases, uh, but there are several different strains of brucellosis. There's brucellosis abortus, which is also in cattle. Right. And so, you know, whether they got it from, you know, there's, there's been people that have contracted brucellosis abortus from vaccinating uh, the, the live bacteria into cattle right. uh, to immunize them. So, right. you know, that kind of stuff would kind of cloud the water as far as, you know, clear cut. This is how many people got them from wild hogs. Uh, the, uh, the Mississippi Department of Health keeps track of all those. Right. Yep. Any, sure. of those any of those reportable diseases, sure. they, uh, they keep track that I'm sure you could get a hold of a number. But like I said, I don't know that you could narrow it down to specifically this yeah. is how many got it from wild hogs. Yeah, understood. That's just something I've been been curious about. Yeah, man. That, like I said, I always know that they're bad, but it just never. The biggest takeaway from this so far is that sixty to seventy million dollars, and then that's really not even. That's it's more than that. Like, right. Mm, man, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. I think we covered all that as far as the stuff that I wanted to hit on, unless there, you know, anything that you've got, but I know for sure, I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate your time and taking the time and come in and educate all of it. Heck, I learned, I learned something today, you know? No problem, man. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah, for sure. So takeaways, guys, again, if you haul a live, live hog, don't do that. Like, just please stop. <laughs> and, and I should say that there are, uh, there is a permit in Mississippi that you can get, uh, a 24-hour permit that does allow you to, to transport live wild hogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I was in reference to before was the illegal haul, hauling without a permit. Right. Uh, the purpose for that permit is for potentially, especially this time of year, it's 90-something degrees outside. You kill a bunch of hogs, and you want to have that meat to, uh, you know, whenever you get back to your property, you know, potentially from the time you leave one property to you get to another one, the meat could possibly spoil. And so the purpose of that permit is to haul them to your residence live to put them into a, um, a container, not a container, a um, some type of enclosure, 500 square feet or less, for the purpose of slaughter. That's how the, the rule is, is right. written there. Yeah. So it's, it's very specific in, in you know, the, uh, the interpretation. Um, and so, anyway, I should say that there there is a way that you can do it legally, but the problem is the the majority of people don't, and they don't do it for their those reasons. Yeah, they're not hauling it, and they're not hauling across. That's that purpose. That permit isn't to be hauling across state lines to take it to Minnesota. There is no permit that you can do that. Yeah, with, no. thank goodness. Yeah, but people are still still doing it, man. Well, um, thanks, man. I can't no I can't thank you enough. Thank you for the education. You're an interesting guy, and I'm sure these daggum hogs keep you pretty busy. So. Yeah. I enjoyed it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, guys, that's all for today. Thank you all for listening. If you have any questions pertaining to this, send them in. Uh, when we put this episode up, we'll put links to, to some of those uh, web resources that Anthony spoke of. And, uh, yeah, we're done. Thank you, man. All right, no problem. Have a good one. Yeah.